When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. This is the AC Report. One of the most interesting communities in the world, Atlantic City. And I'll tell you, one of the most interesting stories involving Atlantic City right now has to do with taxes. And uh, for the last couple of weeks, we've been telling you how a court decision actually found these casinos in Atlantic City are not paying enough in taxes. Well, we have the man behind the group that brought that court challenge, and we're going to find out how a small group took on the casino pilot and won. This is really a real-life David and Goliath situation, although in this case, the David win means a win potentially for the taxpayers of Atlantic City and New Jersey. Very pleased to be joined by Seth Grossman, attorney, former Republican candidate for Congress, former member of the city council in Atlantic City, and the founder of Liberty and Prosperity. Seth, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. I know it's a tough hour. I appreciate it. It, it really is. But uh, good, good morning. And we really feel like uh, all these years, libertyandprosperity.com, and that's where all the details of our group on. Uh, we've been around for 20 years, founded in 2003. And, and so, like, yeah. No, uh, so tell people what what is what is Liberty and Prosperity? I followed it for almost that long, but uh, for folks that are unfamiliar with LibertyandProsperity dot com, tell us what it is. Well, even though we're called like a libertarian group or a Tea Party group, we started uh, before the the Tea Parties again in, in two thousand three uh, because we were just fed up with Republicans as well as Democrats, uh, the George Bush Republicans, the Clinton Democrats, the uh, you know the the, the Jim McGreevy Democrats and the, the, the Chris Christie, uh, Christie Todd Whitman Republicans. 
in many ways, we're like the John F. Kennedy Democrats, uh, you know, libertarians, pro-Americans, uh, pa- you know, patriots, but with common sense. And uh, in, in many ways, we've been unpopular because we promote the Constitution. We promote fair, equal treatment for everybody. We promote uh, American culture. So in many ways, we're like at a football team where half the fans are rooting for one team. <laughs> Half the fans are rooting for the other team, and we're rooting for the referee. Well, I love so, that. I, I, I love that. Uh, I love those uh, the way you phrase that, and the, sort of the odd coalitions that uh, the, that have emerged, not only with respect to this court case, but with a lot of the things that uh, Liberty and Prosperity does. Talking with Seth Grossman, learn more about uh, Liberty and Prosperity at libertyandprosperity dot com. Seth. Just by way of background, uh, you're pretty outspoken, pretty conservative, not at all politically correct. I know in the 80s, you served on the uh, city council in Atlantic City. How did you ever get elected to uh, serve on the city council in Atlantic City, a city which has always been uh, pretty progressive? Were the elections nonpartisan in those days? Yes, they were nonpartisan, so it was possible Uh, for someone like me to get elected. And even though I'm a conservative and and would be called like right-wing Tea Party today, I grew up in Atlantic City, grew up in the public schools. So I had many friends from high school uh, where I was just one of a handful of the white kids uh, in uh, our junior high school, for example. Uh, I was in our National Guard unit, which was commanded. uh, The the New Jersey National Guard unit was actually founded as an all-black unit. Uh, with black officers and, and most of the traditions of that old black unit. That, and, and that story of that uh, Atlantic City National Guard unit in itself uh, is a story very much like the uh, the Hellfighters of Harlem in World War One. So uh, so I absorbed that. So I, I was like a, a Jewish guy in a mostly non-Jewish town, a white guy in a mostly black town, a Republican in a mostly Democrat town. <laughs> but yet, uh, I learned so much because uh, we in Atlantic City were always very independent. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but the, the TV series of Boardwalk Empire, where for years Atlantic City was one of the last of the uh, major cities where the, uh, the black community uh, began voting Democrats. Uh, we always had political black leadership. Uh, because as you remember, most blacks voted Republican sure. steadily until the 1930s. And in fact, in Atlantic City, Republic, you know, blacks were voting Republican right until the 1950s and 60s. And uh, the, the leading black Republican club was called the Stand Patters, uh, meaning uh, you know, the rest of the black community in America could go to, with the Democrats. But we're standing pat with the Republicans because we were always a town. Uh, that was built on small business, uh, individual enterprises. The government was never your friend. The government was always the inspectors and the uh, the people shutting down <laughs> illegal gambling, illegal uh, liquor, because we were based on freedom. We were actually a libertarian town to give the tourists whatever they want. And it was always the progressives who were trying to shut down our economy, starting with the, uh, I guess, the most notorious Democrat progressive, our governor, uh, Woodrow Wilson. Uh, back in the 19, uh, 1908. So, so we have this Republican, independent, anti-government tradition and an African-American Republican tradition. So I guess that's the town I came out of. And Atlantic City is always like a, a microcosm of America mm. uh, because uh, you know we have all the 
elements, a very ethnic group, and we actually have a saying uh, in Atlantic City that what happens to America happens to Atlantic City first. I love it. I, I, I love it. So, Seth, uh, talk to me about this this court case. Uh, some listeners may not have heard the previous segments that uh, that I've done on this. Explain to us what the issue is here and why Liberty and Prosperity chose to make this their cause. Well, the, the issue goes back to uh, the founding of America when Thomas Jefferson and, uh, and, and, uh, and John Adams were political rivals who hated each other. Uh, but when they got older, they started writing and became friends, and they were worried about the future of America because the Constitution had a couple of flaws in it that they wished they could fix. And basically in the 1830s, 1840s, after we had a major uh, uh, catastrophe called the, the Panic of 1837, uh, America fixed those problems with state constitutions. And the problem was corruption and debt, that the, the government officials back in the 1830s were just spending money to, to reward people who would vote for them. Uh, and because they didn't want to raise taxes, they'd just be borrowing money, and it led to an economic collapse. That was really more devastating than the Great Depression of the 1930s. Now, this has been totally erased from history. And what also was erased from history is the way America fixed that problem. And they fixed that problem with state constitutions uh, in almost every state, including New York, including New Jersey, that said that if you taxed people, the tax rate had to be equal and applied to everybody, uh, that you couldn't make special deals for special people. Uh, everybody had to follow the same rules. And until the progressives <laughs> destroyed all that stuff, starting with Woodrow Wilson in 1910, 1912, the Federal Reserve, at the state level, uh, that caused remarkable success. Uh, New Jersey had low taxes uh, because everybody was taxed easily, uh, equally. We had very little corruption uh, because there was nothing for politicians to give you. If you spent money to elect a politician, he couldn't do you favors because the politicians, uh, because our, our constitution would not allow it. So basically, we still have a constitution on the books that says in New Jersey, uh, all real estate has to be assessed at the same method and taxed at the same rate. Now, the progressives have undermined that a lot. They said, well, you could have a special deal for senior citizens, special deal for farmers, a special deal for uh, veterans, a special deal for, uh, quote, uh, economic development to re, you know, for uh, blighted areas. But they never said you can make a special deal for casinos. So basically, uh, back in 2008, when we had this financial collapse, um, it, there was a problem. And the problem wasn't the financial collapse. Uh, the real problem was uh, our governor, Republican Governor Chris Christie, who was president. And, uh, and what happened is when, when basically Atlantic City lost half of its income, half its tax base, half of everything because of the – not just the, you know, the 2008 uh, you know, housing uh, finance uh, bubble burst, but also because of competition from casinos in Pennsylvania – so, so the city you know, was not collecting the taxes, and we had a balanced budget law that said that the, uh, the city should have cut spending, but the city never cut spending because Chris Christie, the governor, was running for president, and he didn't want to have any labor problems like a guy called Scott Walker in uh, Wisconsin. So, we, so he allowed Atlantic City to illegally spend $400 million, put the city $400 million in debt, and the taxes got so high even the casinos could not afford them. So what you had, you had a bunch of emergency packages, and one of those packages 
gave uh, casinos a special tax break. Instead of taxing them on the value of their casinos, uh, they were being taxed on income. And at first, this sort of worked out because uh, sports betting and internet gambling sort of made the casinos pay the fair share. Uh, so they were still paying 50% of the, uh, the tax, uh, tax base. But for some unknown reason, the casinos used their influence and, and got uh, the legislature to change the law in the middle of what was supposed to be a 10-year recovery plan, and they knocked out the internet gambling and they knocked out the sports betting. So it gave the casinos like a, a huge tax break to knock them from paying 50% of the city's tax base to 40% of the city's tax base, and it's clobbering the rest of the city and the rest of the county. So we took it to court based on our constitution that says everybody has to be taxed equally at the same rate. And, and uh, to, to everybody's surprise, the judge uh, agreed, and, and now the state is scrambling. They're trying to appeal. They're trying to do all this stuff to, to stay our judgment, but that's where we are right now. Now, uh, to me, and if people are just tuning in, we're talking with Seth Grossman. He's the founder of Liberty and Prosperity. You can check them out at libertyandprosperity.com. Uh, to me, this is so interesting for a bunch of reasons. One, because it seems like this is one of the issues where folks on the left and the right can sort of meet on. And uh, I think everybody wants casinos to f- pay their fair share so that regular, ordinary people don't have to make up the the shortfall. But it's also interesting to me in because it's one of the, the instances, one of the rare instances in my memory, where the state of New Jersey or any state government actually is going to court to try to collect Less taxes. Uh, I'm one, also, Seth, uh, one listener says that uh, he had a tough time hearing you. If you're on a speakerphone, uh, maybe you can oh, come I'm, off the speakerphone. I'm sorry. I'm not on a speakerphone. I'll try to what, – what I'm really doing, I'm staying with my daughter and, and grandson, and they told me if I wake up the baby tonight, I'm getting kicked out of the house. So, I, uh, I guess I <laughs> – Understandable. <laughs> well, well, I don't want you kicked out of the house. Tell me, what is the next step in this court case, uh, Seth? I know the state is appealing, and uh, you won the lower court decision. Where do we go from here? What's the timetable? Well, of course, the state is trying to stay uh, this decision uh, by not having the state collect this extra tax money uh, from the casinos, and it's obvious what they're doing. Uh, they want to delay this, and so uh, after six months, we'll say, okay, the casinos are behind a year and a half in taxes, and if we collect these taxes now, uh, it'll cause a financial catastrophe and force the casino to close. So they're trying to create a crisis so we are moving forward to, say, start collecting the money right away. Uh, this will be battled in a, the, the lower court on October, uh, first Friday in October, and then we're trying to get this heard by the Supreme Court uh, as soon as possible. So uh, there's going to be a lot of action here in the next uh, month or two. And uh, this is very interesting. I, uh, You know, uh, there was there's a snarky kind of political newsletter from New Jersey that I do subscribe to. It's Politico New Jersey. And I subscribe to Politico New York as well and National Politico. None of them are really quite as snarky as Politico New Jersey. And the editor of this uh, newsletter, he kind of makes these comments before posting the articles. And what I really want to read is is the articles. And what he said in the case involving, um, in the article about liberty and prosperity in this court case He said, when he's not posting stuff on social media, Grossman can be effective. Uh, What do you think of the 
characterization that exists of you and the perception that exists of you in New Jersey mainstream political and media circles? Well, well he's talking about when I was in the debate running for Congress, uh, there was a particular candidate in the primary election who was saying, vote for me uh, because I'm uh, an Indian, an Indian from India. Uh, how can you make the Republican Party more inclusive? And I just snapped back. I said, this whole diversity idea is a bunch of crap. It's un-American. I said, people should be judged by their talent, their skill, their work and achievement, not by how many diversity uh, boxes you could check. Uh, so when I, it turned out that there was, a, I, I guess, an underground uh, stalker you know, for the Democrats had taken the whole thing on video, and they acted like this was a big scandal uh, by, by saying the obvious and uh, and because of that, uh, uh, my campaign was sabotaged, not by the Democrats, but by the uh, New Jersey political establishment, by Kim Guadano, by uh, Doug Steinhardt, by Tom Kane Jr., and, I, and I, I forget who the other one was, and nationally I was denounced. So I think that's what Politico, yeah, that, yeah, by talking the truth on the issues that matter most, uh, you're called uh, too radical for the uh, establishment Republicans. I think that's, that's what Politico was talking about. Back in 2018, you did run for Congress. Even with all those challenges, you narrowly lost to a conservative Democrat by the name of Jeff Van Drew, who's now very famously, after switching parties in the midst of impeachment, he's now a Republican. How do you feel about Jeff Van Drew these days? Are you uh, are you liking him these days, or do you think that, that, you think? that, that is another typical Atlantic City experience? <laughs> uh, you know, they say we're, we're we're anywhere in the world there's six degrees of separation, but if you're from Atlantic City, it's two degrees of separation. Jeff Van Drew uh, is a dentist. My father was a dentist. Jeff Van Drew used to work for my father. Uh, when he was a Democrat, I went to every one of his political barbecues. In fact, I was at his yearly barbecue last week, and the only barbecue I did not attend was the one when I was running against him. So, uh, but, but I respect him. And again, we all come from that Atlantic City tradition where you don't depend on the government to fix your problems. Mm. The government is corrupt. The government is, is abusive. People uh, spend money. They say it's for the public good. Uh, but it's really for the good of uh, uh, you know whoever's uh, you know, helping your your friends. Uh, when I was on city council, I found out very quickly. Everybody says, "Yeah, I'm for just necessary spending," but I'm against waste, fraud, and abuse. So, what's the difference between essential spending and waste, fraud, and abuse? Well, if me and my family are getting government money, it's essential spending. But uh, you know, money for somebody else is waste, fraud, and abuse. So Jeff Andrew is out of that Atlantic City tradition, and, uh, and, and I think he did a great thing. And I think by running as a liberty conservative guy and coming as close as I did, and I would have won that election if I hadn't been sabotaged by my uh, favorite, you know, my, by the leading Republicans in that blue wave election. But uh, in, in a way, Jeff is carrying the torch for that uh, Atlantic City conservative uh, strain that, that's so famous in South Jersey. I characterize you from time to time as the conservative Ralph Nader. Is that a, is that a fair or an unfair description? Uh, it, it may may be, but but while instead of going into labels, here are some of the issues, and you could judge us by the issues uh, that we deal with. Uh, I, I think uh, Brian Kilmeade is is one of your guests later tonight. Yeah, he's going to be on in about forty five minutes. Uh, 
but but one of the interesting things he you know we, we're talking about education and how the progressive left or or the the, the socialist the communist whatever you want to call them are really uh, brainwashing our third generation of Americans and one good example of that the uh, in, in this new curriculum the what you call the Amistad uh, curriculum to so-called teach the truth about slavery in America, how how America is an evil racist country based on slavery. Uh, and they say that anyone who opposes this curriculum uh, you know, is a racist or a denial of the evil of American history. But it's really the Democrats and the progressives who are erasing history. And a typical example is this Barbary War, uh, Thomas Jefferson's war against the Tripoli mm. pirates, where Brian Kilmeade wrote a whole book about it. Now, that has special meaning in Atlantic City because one of the heroes in that war was a Richard man named Summers. Richard Summers yeah. of Summers Point who died on the ship the Intrepid. And so every year on September 4th, we just had it, uh, we have a memorial in Summers Point to celebrate his life. And when you learn that uh, the story of the, uh, the, the, the Barbary Wars, it really wasn't a war against Barbary pirates. It was a war against a thousand years of Islamic jihad, uh, where for a thousand years you had uh, Islamic uh, kingdoms would run loose on the seas and attack every coastal village, every ship in Christi Christian Europe, take them back to Africa and sell white European Christians and Americans into slavery uh, and, and under the most barbaric conditions. And yet you, know, you won't even see that in any history book. And the rest of Europe, after they got tired of fighting uh, you know, the, this barbaric slave trade, they would just pay the, the uh, Islamic kingdoms of North Africa, uh, Morocco, Algiers, Tripoli, uh, Tunis. Uh, they'd pay bribes, ransom, and tribute. But it was the Americans who said millions for defense, not one cent for, for tribute. tribute. Right. And yeah. we, we, we built a navy. We sent it over, and we ended a thousand-year slave trade. And what's even more remarkable, when Americans fighting that war saw the evil of Americans being sold and bought and sold as, as, as slaves, uh, that is really started the anti-slavery uh, – added urgency to the anti-slavery movement in America, led to the Underground Railroad, led to all sorts of things to end slavery in this country. And yet that, that whole episode completely erased from American history. Uh, because it's politically. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Uh, I, uh, very briefly, Seth, uh, because we're just about out of time, but I have to ask you about this. One of the things that I've given you a great deal of credit for, both when you ran for state Senate this year, when you ran for Congress previously, and when you've run for office uh, before, is that you're one of the few prominent New Jersey politicos that I know that's willing to run off the line in the whole up and down um, a Republican and Democrat, uh, South Jersey, North Jersey. There seems to be such a fear that if the party organization doesn't back you. If the county leadership doesn't give you their line, people don't even think about running. My question for you is, why are you such a rarity? In New York, people run primaries as the insurgent all the time. But in New Jersey, it seems to be a, a very rare thing to run as the off-the-line candidate. Educate me a little bit about Jersey politics. Why is that the case? Well, it's really the case uh, because in primary elections, few people vote in primary elections. 
few people even know about primary elections. And that's when you realize that this whole get out the vote, your vote is important, uh, we need high turnout. Uh, notice how the media and the establishment only talk about the November elections. They don't talk and, – and, and the November election is when you're voting between the lesser of two evils. The real power, the real election uh, is like school board elections and primary elections. And because so few people know about it, because there's so little turnout, uh, only the regular uh, you know, pe people who have a, a city job, a county job, a city contract, a county con uh, contract, uh, a state job, uh, the, the political unions, they dominate those primary elections. So you really – an independent like me doesn't have a chance of winning unless you do a couple of things. And one of them is you have to generate interest in issues uh, to motivate people to come. But even more important, and this is a trick I discovered accidentally, uh, the, the reason I lost my election for state senate is that the, uh, the political insiders controlled the ballot. So when I ran last year, they put me in what they call ballot Siberia. You would look at the ballot, and you'd see all the establishment candidates lined up in one column, and you had to go all the way to the other end of the voting machine <laughs> to find my name by itself in row F. And so the only way a can, an independent candidate can, uh, can have a chance of winning is you have to what's called build a column. So you can't just run as an independent for Senate. You have to run, run with somebody for county for, uh, a commissioner, uh, for local office, for state office. So you have a row of five mm. or six candidates, and that takes work. That takes preparation. And most independent people don't think about running for office until three or four months uh, before uh, – the election when it's too late to do that kind of arrangement of the ballot. And, hey, and you know, Seth, I have to end it there. It's, it's always a treat to talk with you. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for the great work you're doing. And uh, best of luck with this lawsuit. Please keep us posted. If people want to learn more about your work, they can go to libertyandprosperity.com. It's libertyandprosperity.com. Thank you, Seth. And thank you. Thank you. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you're welcome to give me a call. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight.